0: continuing our series called Live Like a King, and how many of you are enjoying learning from the life of David? He uh, is a really interesting guy, and stories pretty much don't get more interesting than this guy's story. So you can go to Second Samuel chapter 5, starting in verse 6. It says, David then led his men to Jerusalem to fight against the Jebusites, the original inhabitants of the land who were living there. The Jebusites taunted David, saying, you'll never get in here. Even the blind and lame can keep you out. For the Jebusites thought they were safe. But David captured the fortress of Zion, which is now called the city of David. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king of Israel, they mobilized all their forces to capture him. But David was told they were coming, so he went into the stronghold. The Philistines arrived and spread out across the valley of Rephaim. So David asked the Lord, should I go out to fight the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? The Lord replied to David, yes, go ahead. I will certainly hand them over to you. So David went to Baal-Perazim, and there he defeated them. He said, as waters break out, the Lord has broken out against my enemies before me. Uh, We've been talking in this series about different topics and how We can live like a king as we follow the example of David and some of the principles that are highlighted in Scripture. Of course, David's not a perfect man. He was a flawed and sinful man. He's not the hero of our story. Ultimately, Jesus is the hero of our story. And we're going to see even in weeks to come that David has some bad moments. And in those moments, it points us to Jesus, the perfect king, who we're ultimately striving after. We've talked about how to wait like a king and rescue like a king and talk like a king. Tonight, I want to share with you how to listen like a king. Listening is important. Amen. Yeah. Listening is an important skill for every successful husband to have. Yeah. Amen. And if you, if you know what's good for you, you'll figure it out. Preach. Many of our struggles in life are because we don't listen, really, right? I mean, a lot of times we get ourselves into trouble thinking we know what we should do, we know the right way. I don't know about you, but there's been a time in my life when I was way too quick to tell people what I think about a situation. Well, guess what I found out? I don't know very much. Oftentimes we'll go to God and tell God, Lord, here's what I need you to do, when in reality God might have a better plan. It'd be so helpful if we would learn to stop and pause and listen Recently, I was, I was struggling with some decisions, and, and I was praying, like, like we all do, and asking God. I said, God, I've been struggling with this for a while. Could you just show me what to do? Because I've been thinking about it, and I can't really figure it out. I'm sick of thinking about it. I need you to just show me the way. That'd be so nice, because you're God, and you know, and I don't know anything. And he was like, bam, bam. And there was these ideas in my mind. And I was like, whoa. It was like a download from The Matrix. I was like, whoa. All of a sudden, I I know what I need to know. And I'm thinking, Lord, that was awesome. And he's like, wasn't it though? Just think, you could have done that so much sooner. (laughs) I'm like, that's neat. I like this. (laughs) And so the stakes of life are high. We're gonna get ourselves into some complicated situations you know, I mean, I know that you guys are all going through different types of things and there's stuff going on in your life. How good is it to know that you don't have to have all the answers, that you don't have to read all the books in the world and search out all the knowledge and existence. You have a living God, the spirit of whom lives inside of you and is willing and ready to speak truth to your heart. If you'll stop and if you'll listen, you'll be blessed. So I'm going to give you some points in this sermon And the great thing about a sermon is you don't even need the whole thing to apply to you. You just need to hear one or two things. If you'll just open your heart up, allow the Holy Spirit to just highlight one or two things even for you. That can make a huge difference in your life. Amen. So I'm going to pray that you'll listen to this. Uh, There might be something that you needed to hear tonight. That might be why God brought you to church tonight. I pray that God has something good for you as we go into this message. David, he approaches the city of Jerusalem, and we read in verse 6, the Jebusites, that was the name of the people that were living there, they taunted David, saying, you'll never get in here. It's not possible. It won't happen. Even the blind and lame could keep you out. it's Big talkers. They thought they were safe, but David captured the fortress of Zion, which is now called the city of David. So they're talking trash. And they were in a very well-fortified location. There were high city walls. It was a well-defended city. And so that's why they were so confident. And they were mocking him, saying, you couldn't get in here even if you wanted to. A group of trained monkeys could keep you out of here. David, what are you even thinking? And I love how verse 7, it just goes right on ahead. It says, but David captured the city. And then he named it after himself, which is a total stud thing to do, I think. I think this is so funny. They talk trash, but David knew that 400 years earlier in Deuteronomy chapter 20, God had told Moses, I'm going to give you the land of Canaan and I'm going to uh, enable you to destroy the Jebusites. So this brings our first important point to light. Don't listen to you'll never when God says you will. They said no, but God had already said yes. And so very next verse, David captures the city. What has God called you to do? What is he leading you to do? What dream has he put in your heart? Let me tell you, you don't need fans. You don't need followers. You don't need your mama's approval. Maybe she'll give it to you. I don't know. But if she doesn't, you just need God to say yes. All the no's in the world can't stop you if God has already said yes. Amen. It's not just knowing what God says. That's good. That's part of it. But you got to teach yourself not to listen to what the enemy says. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Sometimes the enemy will come around like a prowling lion and he'll speak lies. Jesus said he's a liar and the father of lies. And we can be caught up by the lies of the enemies. We can be distracted by trash talkers and haters. Haters are going to hate, 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 hate. Don't let that distract you. Don't let that eat at you. I know this would have been so easy for David as these guys were talking trash to him. It's recorded in the Bible, and he could have been indignant. He could have said, do they know who I am? I am David. I have defeated so many enemies already. Slayed a giant. How many of you slayed a giant? No one? That's right. I thought so. How many of you slayed tens of thousands? Oh, just me again? I'm David. Did you know that? They said, you'll never. You'll never get in here. But next verse, verse 7, Pass all the drama. There's no trash talk by David. It just says he did his thing anyway. And I know that I need to grow in this as I read this passage. There are times when I listen to criticism and I hear hateful speech or, or, or trash talk from other people, just like anyone does. And, and it's easy to let it eat at me. It's easy to let it distract me. I don't know if, if someone's ever criticized you, because this is such a great church. I'm sure you don't get criticized like I do. And, and And yet I know, I know you're not supposed to listen to that kind of stuff. I know, I know as Christians, you're not supposed to listen to trash talk. You're supposed to be like Jesus and just brush it off your shoulder and be above such things. But it's hard, right? it's hard and you're like okay i shouldn't li- i shouldn't listen to that i am who he says i am and i'm not going to listen to that and you'll think you have it under control and then you'll see one of your friends and you're like hey do you know what these people said about me they said that i'm a, a bad leader and then they said that and you're like so you get yourself all worked up all over again and then you see your other friend and you're like hey do you know what these people said about me they said that. and it's like you put yourself through this ringer of emotional just energy suck Why do we do this? Why do we agonize over what other people say, wasting time and energy? I wonder what if we could be like David and just skip the drama, just skip the part where we sulk and go right on ahead to the part where we win. Does that sound good to anyone else? What if that was your story? People doubt you and say, you'll never. Next verse, you do it anyway. It says she'll never graduate. Next verse, she graduated. They say he'll never get back on his feet. Next verse, no drama, sorry haters, he's back. Right? What about that? What if we lived our lives that way? Why should we listen to you'll never when God has already said you will. Amen. Amen. Verse 17, when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king of Israel, they mobilized all their forces to capture him. But David was told they were coming, so he went into the stronghold. David, he was told they were coming, so he moved to the stronghold. He moved behind the city walls. He took refuge in the city. So I want to make this point. Listen to warnings from trusted sources. David was a mighty warrior. He was experienced in battle. But he heard, he was told the enemy was coming, and he listened. He wasn't overconfident. He took this warning seriously, and so he retreated to his stronghold. You know, as a pastor, it can be frustrating when you try to encourage people and give them guidance and even sometimes warnings about what will be good for their lives, and they ignore you. That's just the way it is. Do you guys know anyone who their default attitude is, don't tell me what to do? Like, I don't need your help mom. It's probably a teenager with your last name, right? This is how God feels a lot of times when he's trying to help us and guide us. And he's like, no, 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 don't go over there. That's going to hurt you. And we're like, don't tell me what to do, Lord. Or maybe a pastor or a life group host in your life is like, hey, hey, I would be pretty careful there. And you're like, I know what I'm doing. We would be so well off if we would listen to warnings from trusted sources. There is an enemy who wants to destroy you. But he can only hurt you if you leave yourself exposed, if you ignore God's warnings. But in Proverbs 18.10, it talks about how the Lord is a strong tower. Proverbs 18.10 says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. You know, that verse is written by Solomon, the son of David. Do you wonder, like I do, if maybe the Holy Spirit brought to his mind the picture of his father, falling back into the stronghold of Jerusalem. If you've been facing an attack or going through a season of difficulty, if you've been struggling, if you've been wrestling with some challenges, listen, you don't have to figure it out. You don't have to win this battle on your own. Your first move as a Christian should be to retreat to your strong tower, to run to the Lord. To say, God, I don't know what to do. And before I can figure it out, before I get myself into a worse situation, I'm gonna fall back into the strong tower, the name of the Lord. I know that in you I am safe. In you I can take refuge. You're my hiding place. My place. There is no shame in taking refuge in the name of the Lord. It's a good place to be. When the enemy attacks, when you're facing persecution for being a follower of Jesus, if you're tempted to sin, even a great solution is to run to the strong tower, the Lord, take refuge in him. That verse, it says the righteous run to it and are safe. The righteous run to it and are safe. In one hand, that means that righteous people, God's people who are made righteous through Jesus, we know, we know we should run to the Lord. In times of danger, we should run to the Lord, and that's where we find safety. On the other hand, you need to understand this. You don't have to be righteous to run to the Lord, but going to the Lord makes you righteous. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? See, the Bible says that we have all sin. The wages of sin is death, and we know that on our own, we've earned ourselves punishment for sin but if we'll run to the Lord if we'll go to the name of the Lord the Bible says anyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved if we go to the name of the Lord we will be made righteous we will be safe from our sins and we will have security of eternal life through Jesus Christ aren't you grateful for that so listen to this warning if you've never placed your faith in Jesus before if you if you've been holding out and you're like I don't know if I want to be a Christian I'm warning you it's for your own good Turn to the Lord. Allow him to forgive your sins. Be made righteous and be made safe. Verse 18 says, The Philistines arrived and spread out across the valley of Rephaim. So David asked the Lord, Should I go out to fight the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? The Lord replied to David, Yes, go ahead. I will certainly hand them over to you. So all the Philistines came out to capture David. All of them. How many? all. That's a lot. That's a little bit scary. If all of anyone comes out to capture me, I'm scared. But David didn't worry. He didn't measure the odds. He didn't count the enemy up and try to figure out how good of a chance he had to defeat them. He didn't call his generals together. Guys, We got to come up with a strategy. This is, this is scary scary stuff. You know, all the Philistines are out there and they're, they're here to capture me. He didn't worry. He didn't panic. What did he do? He asked God what he should do. Uh, Lord, uh, excuse me, what should I do about all this? And God was like, I've got this. So I want to make this point to you. Don't worry about what the enemy does. Listen to what God says. Does anyone here ever struggle with worry? Anyone by chance? Any living, breathing human beings who don't struggle with worry? I'm not really, I I know that it's so easy to worry. Even when you know you shouldn't, you feel like one little pain in your elbow and you're on WebMD till 3 a.m. Like I got cancer everywhere. I know it. I know it. I've got cancer. The bill collector calls, and you think, I'm going to be homeless. Your kid gets a bad grade in school, and you think, she's going to be a drug addict. I know it. (laughs) Like, it's so easy to worry. And we get tunnel vision a lot of times. We just get focused on our our problems, and we can wear ourselves ragged with worry. And, And I wonder if we shouldn't stop and say, let's see what God has to say about this situation. David, he immediately asked God. And God said, Let's get ready to rumble. And so he listened and he took action. He immediately took action. David believed God. He went into battle and he watched God smash through the enemy. That's our God. Verse 20 said, so David went to baal Perazim and defeated the Philistines there. David exclaimed, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breaking flood. Therefore, the name of that place is called baal Perazim." Why do we waste so much time and energy worrying about what the enemy does when God is on our side? Why? Like, I, I don't know. I look at this example of how God works, and it says, God smashed through the enemy like a flood. Hopefully that paints a picture for you of how much of a chance the enemy has to stand against God. Do you remember Hurricane Katrina when the floodwaters rose and the levee walls, they broke, they couldn't withstand the pressure? That's how much of a chance your enemy stands against the Lord your God. He smashes through your enemies like a breaking flood. That's why David named the place Baal Perazim. That'd be a good baby name for someone. In Hebrew, it means the Lord of breaking through. The Lord of breaking through. Who needs a breakthrough? Come on, somebody. Who says, I need a break? I've been stuck for a little while. If you've been stuck for some time, if you've been trying to go further in your walk with God, but you feel like you can't get quite going the way you want to, if you've been drifting away for a while and you can't get back on track, if you've been struggling with an addiction, if you've been fighting against oppression, if you haven't been able to figure out what's next and you need a breakthrough, you serve the Lord of the breakthrough. God, who is on your side, he is the Lord of the breakthrough. He can bring breakthrough into your life. He can break through addiction. He can break through depression. He can break through every struggle you might face, whatever it is. He's the God of breaking through. So ask yourself, do I have faith? Am I listening to God? Am I listening to his direction? Or am I worrying about the enemy and trusting? Do I need to trust God that he will come through for me. Because it's one thing to listen to a pastor say that God's on your side. It's another thing to live like you believe that God is on your side. Are you living like you believe God is on your side? Or are you just singing about it and then going home and worrying about the stuff in your life? I want you to have faith to trust what God says, even just a little bit of faith. Does anyone here ever struggle to have faith? That God's going to come. This is like one of those churches where you can be honest, in case you didn't know that. If you're like, I don't have that much faith right now. A lot of people in here would say, I don't have that much faith right now either. You came to the right place. Maybe you have only a little bit of faith. Like in Mark chapter 9, we read about the father of a boy who was demon possessed. And he called out to Jesus in verse 22, have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I love this passage, you guys. This father is so real and honest. It's so encouraging to us. If you've ever prayed a if you can type of prayer, you're not alone. God, help me if you can. Lord, I believe in you, but just a little. You're not alone. And I'm not here to tell you, hey, until you get your faith stronger, you better know that God's not gonna help you. That's not the way it is, that's not the way that God works. He said, faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains. Come on, somebody. If you've just got a little bit of faith, God can do miracles in your life. He can burst into your situation and make a way where there seems to be no way. He will do the impossible if we'll just have a little bit of faith. Because that's the thing. God doesn't respond to our great faith. He responds generously to even just our little bit of faith. But he doesn't want us to stay and just keep living with, with some faith. He wants you to have strong faith. He wants you to grow in faith. He wants you to develop crazy confidence. He wants you to have, they worry if you're right in the head levels of confidence. Like people look at you and like, aren't you a little bit worried about this? And you're like, no, I have faith. I'm not worrying about what the enemy does. I'm listening to what God says. And he says, he's on my side. Here's what it says in verse 22. But after a while, the Philistines returned and spread out again across the valley of Rephaim. And again, David asked the Lord what to do. Do not attack them straight on, the Lord replied, and said, circle around behind and attack them near the poplar trees. When you hear a sound like marching feet in the tops of the poplar trees, be on the alert. That will be the signal that the Lord is moving ahead of you to strike down the Philistine army. So David did what the Lord commanded, and he struck down the Philistines all the way from Gibeon To So David defeated the Philistines one time. Did you catch that? But then they rallied and they returned to fight again. How annoying is that? Come on already. Learn that you lost. Take the L, man. Go home. This is annoying, right? And yet I think it's a good example. I think God included this in the word for a reason so that you would realize you're not alone if you fight the same enemy more than once. You might find yourself fighting the same enemy Again, right? Because he's a stubborn enemy. He doesn't know he's already lost. And so until Jesus returns, you're going to see him again. You might struggle to forgive again and again. You might struggle with the eating disorder again. You might have to climb out of depression again. You might have to learn to forgive some people in your church again because we're all, we're all people. We're all imperfect. It's an ongoing struggle. It's a conflict, and so we have to be prepared for that, and look at what David did in verse 23. Again, David asked the Lord what to do. Again, David asked the Lord what to do. This is really surprising to me. David defeated the Philistines. He smoked them. He broke through with the Lord's help, And then this new situation, it comes up again. And yet he goes back to God. What should I do? Most of us wouldn't do that, right? Am I alone in this? Like, I wouldn't do that. I would have been like, I know what to do. I just did it. I just smoked those guys. I'm going to go out and do what I did last time. Right up the middle, ground and pound. Obviously, God's into that. So let's do it again. I'm already publishing my leadership book on how to defeat the (laughs) Philistines in battle. Why do I need to go back and ask again? I know what to do. But David, he had somehow more wisdom than that. So he goes to the Lord, what should I do now? That's interesting. It was a new fight and so he needed a new word. He needed a new strategy. And this is my sub point for the last point. It's just kind of a minor point, but it's important. Commit to the mission, not the method. Commit to the mission, not the method. Here's what we learn: The way you won the last battle might not be the way you win the next battle. And as you grow in faith, God's going to bring you into new opportunities. Some of you came to this church, and this is a new church for you. And so you're still trying to figure out, well, how do they do it here? The way they did it in your last church might not be the way they did it here. But that's okay, because it's a new church. It's a new day. And God might have brought you here for a new purpose, right? Like, and maybe as you grow in your faith, God's gonna give you new opportunities to reach the lost, or new ministries which you can serve in. That's okay, he's a God who gives new strategy, he develops new methods for us, and that's, that's all right. That's all right for us, that's okay, because we're committed to the mission, not the methods. The mission, not the methods. As the church, our mission is to rescue the lost. It's to seek and save the lost the way that Jesus did. That's why we're here. That's why we exist. And we all grow in our faith, and God helps us to become more mature as Christians, which is so cool because it helps us to more effectively seek and save the lost. Isn't that awesome? It's not so we can just sit around and be like, I'm really good at this now. (laughs) You know, it's so you can get even better at seeking and saving the lost. But here's what you gotta know. Every Christian denomination, every generation that comes along, it's very easy to think, well, I saw what works. So let's keep doing that. Let's do what we did when I was growing up. But listen, it's a new battle. God might give you new methods. The way that God moved last time might not be the way that he moves this time. We sing songs like I'll see you do it again. doesn't mean he'll do it the same way again, just that he's going to bring victory again. And we know throughout scripture, we get an example of this in several places that God. He wants us to be adaptable. Adaptable. I wanted to call this message originally adapt like a king, but it just didn't happen. <laughs> Here's what happens in Matthew 10. Jesus is sending out his disciples and he says, therefore be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. He's talking to, to his disciples. That's us. Be as shrewd as snakes. How many of you are like, I want to be shrewd like a snake. Most Christians aren't trying to be anything like a snake, okay? It seems a little bit weird, a little bit creepy. Snakes are kind of gross. Most of us would agree. Only good snake's a dead snake. I don't know. But yet Jesus says it's good to be clever. It's good to be subtle. We should be righteous like does. We should be innocent as does, which means we shouldn't sin. But we should be clever and resourceful. And that means whatever it takes to reach the next generation, whatever it takes to reach the lost, we're going to do that. We're going to be clever. We're going to be shrewd as a snake. I mean, that's kind of weird. Why did I do that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So whatever it takes, like Harrier pigeon, here's the gospel or hologram, whatever it takes. We'll do whatever it takes. And I want to just speak gratitude to the previous generation, the people who go to this church who are older Who's older? I don't know. You qualify yourself, okay? But, but the older folks who have always been a part of this church have always been so mission-minded and mindful of reaching the next generation, and they've been willing to sacrificially lay down some of their traditions and preferences for the sake of reaching the next generation. That's so servant-hearted of you, and so I want to say thank you, and we love you. I mean... You got to realize, like younger people, let's just have a reality check for a minute. Like, our parents' generation paid to build this building, and then we came along and we were like, hey, we need you to get with the times. And that's kind of messed up, right? So, listen, young people, we're always calling to the older generation, like, come on, get with the times, come on. And we got to realize our day is coming too. Amen? Like, there's going to be a day when what we used to do might not work anymore. And so we're willing to adapt. We're committed to the mission, not the methods. The message stays the same. The message that Jesus is the only way, that stays the same. But the methods might change. So let's be resourceful and creative and innovative as we honor God and seek to rescue the loss. So here's what it says as we get kind of to the close of this. It says, God gave new instructions, even though David was facing the same enemy. And verse 24 says, When you hear a sound, when you hear a sound, like marching feet in the tops of the poplar trees, be on the alert. That will be the signal that the Lord is moving ahead of you to strike down the Philistine army. When you hear a sound, you got to listen for the sound. That's the signal that the Lord is going before you. Some commentators will say, maybe it was the sound of angels marching on the treetops. I imagine that for David who was getting ready to go back into battle for the second time in just a couple of days here, that would have been such a comforting, reassuring sound, knowing that I'm going to go fight, but the Lord is going before me. In Deuteronomy 31, verse 8, Moses said this, It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Church, you need to know that in every battle you face, every struggle that you go through, The Lord goes before you, amen? The way he went before David and Moses and Joshua, he goes before you. And I love this encouragement. Listen for the sound. Learn to listen for the sound of victory. That's the last point I want to make to you. Learn to listen for the sound of victory. Whenever you face a struggle, you got to learn to listen for the sound of victory. you got to learn to identify that sound. This is what we know. When the army goes in to fight the enemy... We only go in to fight after the Air Force has already flown in and bombed the bejesus out of the enemy. This is the best way to fight, y'all. Okay, The Air Force goes in, they bomb everything, and then we come in and we're like, let's sweep it on up. I love the Air Force. I love it. I love that sound, the sound of air power. The Army has air superiority, and I'm grateful for it. So I live down by Williams Gateway Airport, and uh, jets are always flying overhead. It's very loud. It's like and you're like what is that but i never complain about that sound no matter how loud it gets because that is the sound of victory i love that sound do you know that god loves it when we pray do you know that god loves it when we sing praise to his name why because it sounds like victory when you pray in jesus name you are praying victory into your reality When you sing praises to God, the Bible says the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. So as we sing his praise, we sing, God, you're so good. Man, that's the sound of the Lord going before us into battle. It reminds us that we're not going into this battle alone, but that God goes before us. The Lord of the breakthrough is on the move. And we can go into battle with confidence. No, I'm not fighting this struggle alone. God is with me. If he is for me, who can be against me? Who can stand against the Lord Almighty? Come on, somebody. I love it. I love being with God's people. Because when you lift up praise to the Lord, that reminds me, I'm not going into battle alone. I'm following behind the Lord, our banner. He leads us into battle. We just follow behind him and claim the victory. It's amazing to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Amen. Whatever struggle you're going through today, wherever you're at, maybe you're not going through a a big struggle today. You just need to be reminded that every battle that you might be facing or will face, God is on your side. You follow the Lord. The Lord of the breakthrough goes before you. You're not going into this struggle alone. You're not fighting in your own strength. You weren't meant to fight this fight in your own strength. You were meant to stand in the power of Jesus' name. I'm so grateful for 1 Corinthians 15, which says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian, you know that Jesus has already gone before us and he laid his life down on the cross so that we could have victory as his followers by simply placing our faith in his name. We know he's already gone before us. He's done the heavy lifting. He's already done the hard work. He's already accomplished what was impossible for us so that we could live our lives with hope, free from fear, knowing I'm saved. I have eternal life. I'm not struggling alone. God is on my side. He's given me a breakthrough and he's gonna give me the next breakthrough as I continue to follow him in faith. I'm so grateful for this reminder. Thank you, Lord. Let's bow our heads. Lord, we come to you today and we know that maybe you just wanted to remind us that you're with us. And you know every single person here, God, and what's going on in their lives right now. You know their schedule, you know the struggles, you know the questions that we have, the decisions that are being made. Lord, I thank you for reminding us that you're with us, that we don't need to worry, that God, we can run to you, our strong tower, and take refuge, that we don't have to worry about what other people are doing, what the enemy might do. We just know that you have said we're yours. Because we're yours, we can trust you. You said you'll never leave us or forsake us. We don't have to fear, God. We thank you for that reminder. We know, Lord, that as we lift you up in praise, as we call out on your name, we're safe. We are safe and we have victory through you. God, thank you for this reminder in your word today. Maybe you're here tonight and you need to have a victory over sin. And, and that happens when you place your faith in Jesus and you ask God to forgive you. And then you are adopted into God's family and made clean. And it's such a cool thing that we get to experience this. The Bible says by God's grace through our faith. When we put our trust in Jesus and say, God, I know I can't save myself, but I'm going to trust that Jesus has made it possible for me to be saved. Then we know we are saved. We don't earn it. We can never deserve it. We just receive salvation as a gift. This is God's grace And it's because he loves us that we can have this kind of experience. And I don't know if you've already had this experience here, but man, we love to give people this experience as much as we can. So if someone brought you to church today as a friend or they invited you or you just came in looking for hope, God is calling you today to return to him. He's saying, come home. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to make you new. And that's what he does. He gives us hope. So if you're ready to take that step of faith today and become a follower of Jesus, then I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and I want you just to pray this with me. Say, God, I need you. I believe that Jesus died on the cross in my place, and I believe that he rose again so I could have eternal life. Lord, I'm going to follow you from this day forward. I thank you for victory, and I thank you for loving me. I want to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is so good, right? Let's stand to our feet. I love that opportunity that we just had to give our lives to Jesus, and and many of you have already done that, but maybe someone just did that for the first time, and I wanna celebrate with you. I'm not gonna embarrass you or make you go into a a creepy room or anything. Just wanna cheer with you and celebrate, okay? So if you just pray that prayer on the count of three, just shoot your hand up real quick, and we'll cheer with you. One, God loves you. Two, don't be afraid. Welcome to the family. Three, go on, just show it up. Awesome, awesome. So good. Anyone else over here? Amazing. God is so good, yes?